following is not legal advice coming from an attorney. Nothing more than a father speaking from his own experience. Should you need actual legal advice, contact an attorney. It's time for another episode of The Father's Truth. The show where real men band together, stand up for father's rights, and bring the father's truth out of the darkness, out of the darkness, and in to the light. Giving fathers a voice everywhere. A broadcast brought to you by the Father's Lives Matter Network. Here's your host, Alan Donovan. All right, guys, I am Alan Donovan, and it is time for another episode of The Father's Truth. When you think of the Amish, what do you think of? I think of, you know, a good, wholesome society, close-knit families, a good relationship with God, but that might just all be window dressing. When you dive underneath it, dive beneath the surface of the Amish society, and you get down into the dark water, it's an entirely different world. Tonight on the show, I've got Emmanuel Stelter on the show. He was former Amish. Um, He was excommunicated. His five kids are still part of that Amish society. He is fighting to try and get custody of them. We're going to blow the lid off of the Amish community. Basically, this is going to be a multi-part show. I'm talking, you know, eight to ten episodes on this show to encompass everything because we are going to be talking about um, extortion, rape, extramarital affairs, child abuse, drug use, alcoholism, bestiality, There's a whole plethora of topics we're going to discuss here. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get Emmanuel in here. Emmanuel, brother, how are you tonight? I'm pretty good. I'm good. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for joining us here. It's a a crazy story. From what I understand, just talking to you guys on the phone, I was like, holy fuck, are you serious? Wow. Yes, it is. (laughs) It is indeed. um, When I... Sometimes when I sit back and think about it, I guess we slowly, it's been part of my life for the whole time, so it don't seem as bad to me. But when I sit back and look at the whole, the whole thing as a whole, I'm like, this, this, this can't be real. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it, it, and that's exactly it. And for the audience, so I talked to Emmanuel the other night on the phone just trying to get a feel for everything. The things that he was telling me, it, it was unreal. It blew my mind. You know, it completely ruined what I had thought of the Amish society. And obviously this is not to paint every Amish society with the same brush get that out of the way. First off, you know, things are different, different places, but this is, this is pretty damning. So let's, let's start with what, what is it like growing up as an Amish man? Let's start right there. Um, you talking about as growing up as an Amish child or? Correct. Correct. Okay. Um, well, I, I was born and raised in uh, Western Pennsylvania. So we had a farm. Uh, we had a sawmill, a circle sawmill. So kind of getting, you know, I don't really know where to start. Um, you know, going to school, getting up and doing our chores. We had roughly around 100 head of cattle. So it was me and my brother. Um, I had a younger sister. Well, actually, I had four brothers and five sisters total. But as we started getting older, and you get in up in the morning at 5 o'clock, you go out, do the chores, you eat breakfast, you go to school, um, you come home from school, we change our clothes, we go in the sawmill and worked until it was time to do chores again. We did chores. 
and ate supper and went outside and worked until dark or whatever time, you know, we got finished. Um, and that was just a typical school day. And in the summertime, it was, you just go out. You, I mean, there's hardly no, there's no playtime. There's no such thing as um, you, you have time for yourself. Well, um, it, it, it doesn't sound like you really have the opportunity or the chance to be a child and experience those things. No, you don't. Um, the only, the only time we really had, um, sort of, um, a childhood was on a Sunday because they don't believe in, they don't believe in any kind of work on Sunday besides just doing everyday chores, but nothing, nothing extra. Like don't put something off, like cutting or something like that. They don't believe in that. Or so, so did they look at Sunday as the Sabbath then, so to speak? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, and so, and, and so growing up as a, a male in the Amish society, how does that differ from a female in the Amish society? It, it's, it's for me growing up, um, I guess it, it differs in in different communities, different leaders. Um, I I didn't, I never really thought about it. Like it, it was work, but when a female uh, is thirteen or something out of school, they're expected if they don't have enough work at the at the uh, their own home, they're expected to be a maid at somebody else if they have a baby or if somebody needs help cleaning or. Uh, anything really so they go out and work for different different uh families and a lot of times that's where a lot of them will get raped or molested you know during that time is if they're out being a mate and the, the man would as the one told me one time they were a mate and the man made her feel like it was her duty her being the maid to satisfy his sexual um, you know, in, in a sexual way because his wife just had a baby. So, it, so the way you say that when they're, when they're out doing this, this stuff is usually when they get raped or molested. Is this a common thing? It's in the not, society? Um, I shouldn't say usually, but it, yeah, that's a lot of what it happens when it happens, different people. Um, but it's, it happens at all time, anytime. It, there's no, there's no child safe. I mean, I want to say no female safe, but it, in all reality, there's no child safe at any time. Wow, that's that's kind of scary because it, you know, it definitely, you know, from just the limited knowledge that I have of the Amish. I mean, where I live, there is a Amish settlement that's probably seventy miles away. Um, and I've been there a couple times and it always seemed like a really safe environment, but you know, I, I, I guess there are predators everywhere. So it's, it's disheartening to hear that. It is. And the reason, um, the reason that, uh, you don't hear a lot about it is the doctoring. Um, as far as if somebody rapes somebody and they go to the church and confess and the bishop, you know, says they're forgiven or you know they shunt for a couple of weeks or excommunicated for a couple of weeks and then they're back in the um 
like token back in the community as part of a member. And if anybody talks about it, those sins at all, the doctrine that they share is then that person just to, how do I say, if, if I say, if you commit a crime and you confess your sin to the bishop, and after you're a member of the church again, and I, I, I talk about it, not only am I a sinner, but I'm worse because I carry the, I carry the same sin as what you've done because I, I, um, I brought it back up because I oh, have okay. forgiven it. Okay. So, okay. So let me see if I'm following you on this. Okay. So let's say I commit a sin. I go out there and let's just say I steal my neighbor's farm animal, whatever the case may be. Okay. I'm feeling bad about that. I go to the bishop. I confess. He basically absolves me of that. And a couple years down the road, you and I get into an argument or whatever the case may be, and you decide to bring that up. Now, in the church's eyes and the community's eyes, you are more of a criminal than I am because you brought up something that was absolved. Wow. Yes. Okay. That's and fucking that's, nuts. And that is why 90, I want to say at least 99% of abuse don't get reported because it's such an ingrained brainwash that, and this place of hell is such a, they make it a vicious place. I remember as a kid, like I, I was scared to death. I, I what if I don't make it? You know, I'm going to burn and burn and burn. And this is, I, I can't even imagine because that's all they wanted to talk about. It wasn't about God. It was about hell. They wanted to talk about hell and how bad it is. If you don't do as we say. Wow. So, and from a, religious standpoint are they going on okay so like i know the jews have like the torah and a couple different versions do they have like a their own bible like lds does that they go off of or is it just a christian bible? King, king james king james okay. but they don't they don't take all they don't take the whole king james but it's i forget i don't want to i don't want to say but there's only certain parts that certain parts that apply to the amish um so they kind I, of put their own spin on it yes absolutely mm -hmm. okay and so and so growing up you were heavily brainwashed that basically anything that you did incorrectly that the church would not agree with you were going straight to hell more or less yes yes that's where my own parents have told me uh multiple times that's where i'm headed the bishop has told me he said that's where you know he said you know where you're headed i was like now I don't know where I'm headed. He said, you know, you're headed straight to hell. I was like, what? So I asked him, I said, what do you mean? He said, well, as long as you don't come back and join the Amish and be forgiven for that sin, he said, you will, you know, you're going to hell. And I said, well, if I'm a Christian, if I live a Christian life outside of the Amish, because they are Christians, um, it's, it's a Christian religion, Amish culture. And I said, if I live a Christian life, if he don't think I could get to heaven, he said, no, you were born Amish. Therefore, if you leave the Amish and you die without coming back into Amish, you're condemned to hell. And there, it don't matter what kind of life I live. It don't matter if I live a life of, you know, a horrific sin or if I live a life of the best Christian that ha has ever walked to earth, I will still be condemned to hell in their eyes. Wow. That's... <laughs> You know, and that's, 
religion is such an interesting thing. I personally, I believe that there is a God. You know, I just think that it is not the same that, you know, Christianity, all the various religions make God out to be. I think what God is, is not what man has created. I think that's the biggest difference. And, you know, my thought process has always been that religion, man-made religion, is a chain that keeps you down. And I can absolutely see that in what you're telling me about the Amish. They get you so brainwashed that you're scared of your own fucking shadow, it sounds like. If you step out of line, that's it. That's exactly it. I was, when I was 14, 13 or 14 years old, I remember buying, well, I guess it was before um, CD players and stuff was really a big thing or MP3. I bought a very, very small radio, one of the smallest ones with a set of headphones. And I had it like two days and I was like, I, I know I'm going to hell. I find I, after two days, I threw it away. And I was like, cause I know, I just know I'm going to hell for this. <laughs> so in the Amish community, there's, there's no electronics like computer cell phones you know any of that stuff why why is that is there a specific reason why that is not a part of the of the community well you could say it is um they the way they look at it which my own sister has told me he she said you know you're going to hell for having that cell phone i said what do you mean she's like look on the back of it i have an apple iphone oh. <laughs> That it's got a bite out of it. She said, that's the apple that Eve. Eve took a bite out of. Yep. But the way they look at it is, uh, I guess in the Bible where the devil took Jesus up on the mountain, showed him all the riches of the whole world mm-hmm. and everything in it. And he said, if you, um, if you um, bow down and pray to, to pray to me, I will give this all to you. And they think anything electronic, um, because they don't understand how it works. They, they have an eighth grade education. They don't understand how it works. Therefore, that has to be what it was, what the devil showed Jesus on that mountain. Um, so, yes, anything electronic like that is definitely, you're going to hell for it. Wow. Okay. So what is it like being a teenager in that kind of society when you're starting to get an interest in girls and, you know, the inner relationships between the two, how does that work in Amish society? Well, it's a really, really tough time between, well, I I was in eighth grade. Um, I was almost 14 when I got out of eighth grade. So from 14 or 13 and a half through 17 years old was a very, very hard time. I didn't get every two weeks I w- at church. I would see some of my friends, but besides that, I didn't. See, we didn't see nobody because you didn't go to school anymore, and you were too young to go out with the young folks. At seventeen years old is when the um, like the young people is what they call them from seventeen up until they get married. Every Sunday night or Sunday afternoon, get to a place and uh, eat dinner have a singing, sing for an hour, hour and a half, and then they, they'll um, take their girlfriends home and stay until midnight. Different different uh, communities have different hours. Some of them stay all night. Uh, a lot of communities have bed courtship where both, both, uh, both parties go to bed in the same bed. Okay. Uh, but you're not supposed to... Um, have sex or you know any of that 
but so is it a test is that what it is to put you in that kind of position to see how your willpower is or? i have no idea uh i don't understand um i i don't know they said it's always been that way and that's the that's the sentence i probably heard the most my entire of any sentence my entire life is well it's always been that way any question you have well why well why are we doing this you know why can't well it's always been that way if it's good enough for our grandparents our ancestors it's good enough for us god don't want us to question anything therefore if you question your parents on something like that or the bishop they're going by what the bible states so now you're questioning god so now you're a sinner okay so so the church is the ultimate authority mm -hmm. within the community yes okay that hmm, that is such an interesting dichotomy as to how that how that would work so okay so if something happens like what we were talking about before like if i steal you know a cow you know sheep whatever farm animal that's reported directly to the church versus reporting to law enforcement that's correct yes yes no they don't if it's one of their own um very very seldom do they ever report it unless they see that there's no way out and somebody else will report it and it'll make them look bad that's the only way they will report it but they will still downplay it <clears throat> but no they will never hardly ever report one of their own so it it must be something like you were just saying something very serious or no other way to get around it to have them report outside of outside of the community it's i don't even think if, if it's that serious but if it's say you do something and uh, they're afraid an outsider will see it and an outsider knows about it and they're going to report it if the amish don't so they want to be the first one to do it to make them look better but besides that there's a bishop in pennsylvania right now <clears throat> He was shunned for a long time, Ben uh, Ben Yoder, that raped his daughters and his granddaughters. Um, he was shunned for a while, and they then he couldn't preach anymore. For he was the bishop, he had to sit in the back, and he said, "I'm not coming to church anymore if I can't be take my place as a bishop." So they put him right in the bishop again after he was shunned. I don't know how long he was shunned—ten weeks, twelve weeks, or whatever but to this day he's still in the community after he raped his kids wow that's so there's nothing yeah. there's nothing too bad that they'll go report it huh wow so so what is shunning tell me about that what does that entail <sighs> shunning is it's a way of them getting to you because as, as you grow up Amish and you go to church, they explain to you that if you're shunned, if you die, if you're shunned, there's a, you have a one-way ticket to hell. That's, you have, there is no option. You will go to hell if you die when you're shunned. So to them, it is shunning is a way, it is a way to try to enforce uh, and more power uh manipulating that's a psychological thing oh yeah basically absolutely so okay um, so 
So if somebody is shunning you, they are not talking to you. They're not acknowledging your existence. So basically, they're breaking you down mentally, more or less. That's that is actually what has happened. Um, the first couple of years that I had left, um, my parents would talk. Different people would call on the phone and talk to me, um, and I was still, I guess, too naive. I didn't want to hurt anybody's feeling. I wanted to. I wanted to be the good person <clears throat> and yeah, mentally they, they almost broke me down. Um, just telling me what kind of shitty person I am. Um, <laughs> there's no words that can express. They told me, you know, you're going to hell. You're putting your kids in danger to go into hell. Um, the, the whole community has suffered because you left Amish culture um, they didn't want anything to do with me. Wow. So they're, so they're very heavy handed on the whole fear tactic response to anything, you know, you're going to hell, things like that. Now, if you're shunned, can you beg to be unshunned or is it at whoever has shunned you's discretion yeah. to start acknowledging you again? Yes, but they will not acknowledge you. Like for me, I will be shunned for the rest of my life because I will never go back Amish. And without me going back and joining the church, which I will probably have to go, say I was to go back Amish and wanted to be part of the church, <clears throat> I would have to go back. Like my hair would have to be the right length. However, you know, the haircut they have, I would have to be and everything, everything would have to fit as their standards. And I couldn't be doing anything. I couldn't have my phone. I couldn't have electricity. I couldn't do any of that stuff. And then they, they might be, it might be six months. It might be three months. And they'd be like, okay, we feel like you're forgiven now. So you're part of us again. <laughs> wow. That, 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 kind of shit just blows my mind that there is a society out there i mean it's almost 2023 and we see societies that still operate in this kind of thing that that blows my mind it really does i've tried to think back um i mean it's been four and a half years for me it feels like it's been 104 and a half years um it's been a long haul and i can't i've been been through so much I, I feel like i sometimes i have a hard time remembering what it was like the whole story like really how bad it was um growing up and you know trying to leave the amish community um it, it's just sometimes it, it's like a nightmare to me i i think about it and i was like did this really happen i was like i i, I just i don't know how i made it out of it because every friend i had I had a best friend, two best friends growing up, and it was probably two weeks after I left Amish, he called me up and he said, well, if you ain't coming back Amish, we can't be friends. I had from <clears throat> 200 friends to zero friends to nobody. You're just basically naked in downtown New York City, like somebody threw you out in the street. I didn't know how to get a driver's license. I didn't know how to get a you know, driver's permit. Um, I didn't have no money. So it, I had nobody. Yeah. So somebody wanted me to ask when they saw the promos that 
I was doing for your story and the fact that you were a former Amish. They wanted me to ask you, when you got out of the Amish, what was the process that you had to do to reintegrate yourself into normal society? Because they were thinking that it was their understanding that the Amish operate as their own, you know, sort of uh, own society, own country, where if you were coming out of the Amish, you would have to reestablish yourself like a passport, things like that, certain paperwork. What What's the process for coming out of the Amish? Uh, well, the process for me, since I was, I was married and I had my birth certificate, I had my social security card or number, it was fairly, like the physical part of it wasn't that bad for me. But if, if you're not 21 or married, your parents hold your social security number and birth certificate. And most times they don't, they won't get a birth certificate until they join church or a social security number. And then when they join church, they'll get a social security number, but then they'll get an exempt, which is a 4029 form, which is for, um, so the Amish don't have to pay in social security uh, taxes, but they won't be able to draw it. Okay. So they don't want, they're afraid they're going to get drafted. So oh, they so don't want to ask get, that. Do they get, yeah. get drafted? Because I've heard rumors that they're exempt from any kind of military service. It's supposed to be, I guess, sort of. Um, I, I've read it. I've read the 4029 form, and I believe you can pull it up on the internet. Um, but yeah, it's supposed to. And a lot of them try not to get their social security numbers until just before they get baptized and then they get the 4029 form. So they're exempt from all that as soon as they can. So they don't get drafted if anything happens. So do you not get baptized until later on in life then? Uh, no, no, but um, I got baptized at I think 16 or as okay. soon as 17. Okay. Yeah. It's, it was, um, well, that in itself was kind of a, Looking back, I was like, I, I can't believe I did. Because it was a thing where you everybody did. If you didn't get baptized at that age, that's the appropriate age to get baptized. If you didn't get baptized, everybody's looking down on you. Your family's shit. Uh, your parents are going to get punished from the church because now you're not in control of your child. Um, so it's like you have to get baptized. If you don't, you have to watch your parents suffer for you not being baptized. So, wow. okay. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a damn if you do, damn if you don't situation. Right, it truly sounds like it. So let me ask you this. I was going to ask this earlier, but we got on a different subject. What's your view on religion now? Now that you're out of the Amish, and your head is kind of clear, but how, what do you think of religion now? Uh, are you religious? I'm, I'm actually, I, I'm, I'm going to college now. I've done my first year of college. I had to get my GED and get my college, um, start college. And I've actually took two religion classes. <clears throat> I guess to try to clarify, um, as far as right now, um, an atheist looks about as good as a, you know, as, as as what you know, I, I just yeah. don't. I don't know what to believe. I've I've been taught, brainwashed, my whole life one way. But then when I went through college, it's like 
Buddhas, uh, Judaism, um, you know, so many different religions, and some of them, you, if you tell them that they're going to hell, they'd be like, that ain't where we're going. We're reincarnated. You know, we yeah. don't we don't care about heaven or hell. So it's, I guess I'm still, I still really hasn't, hasn't uh, I'm not clear on that. I don't really know. Well, you know, and there, there's nothing wrong with that, man. Take your time, explore everything, find something that fits with you and resonates with you. That's always been my process with it. I've, but yes, it's, it's been, it's been a battle. Um, it took me a long time um, like to not feel guilty as leaving the Amish because I felt like I'm putting my whole family I'm afraid I'm putting my whole family in hell because me leaving Amish and so it, it took me a long time to get out from under that it's like a big rock on top of <clears throat> on top of your head yeah <laughs> oh you know from everything that you're telling me and from you know, the things that we talked about on the phone, which we will be discussing a little bit in this episode and further episodes down the road, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you had PTSD coming through everything that you experienced. I mean, I would think that that would almost be a given that you would have that. I know I have it. <laughs> uh, I mean, I've not been, I've not been tested, but I know I have it. Um. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't see that there would be any way that you couldn't have that from everything that you've experienced. So let's get into um, when you met your wife and how that whole process went through. Um, I was probably 18. Or I guess your ex-wife. I'm sorry, your ex-wife. Finally. <laughs> um, I was probably 18. But up until the point that I turned probably 18 or so, I had never had any intentions on getting married. I, in my mind, I wanted to be, as they would call a bachelor. I had a little bit, bit of freedom. As long as I let my beard grow and sit with the men, as far as if there's church or um, gatherings or anything like that i sit with the man i could i could i would be considered a bachelor and then i could have my own home but if i still shave my beard as the boys did and then i would have to live with my parents or live with somebody another family or a family member or something i couldn't live by myself until i let start letting that beard grow uh <laughs> but that's that was my i never even thought of about getting married i had no intentions on it then when my brother got married was sometime during i guess i was 18 probably about the end of my year 18 and they always have a best man and the for his side and the bride and the groom's side and they get to pick um a partner <laughs> so i was like okay i'll and that's who uh, I picked my ex-wife and we ended up starting a date because I, all my friends started getting married start dating. I was like, Oh, you know, I'm, I don't want to be the oddball here. This is, I, I don't, I don't know. So they started dating. So did you know uh, each other prior to this or no, no. So, so what 
Is it kind of an arranged kind of thing then? It's, you can only get married with somebody, well, you can get married with anybody, but you will get shunned. Outside of, like, we were old order Amish, so we had to go with old order Amish or somebody that was lower than us. We couldn't go, we couldn't date somebody that was new order Amish, we couldn't date a Mennonite, or anybody that the church didn't recognize as, um, like, a fellow church. So they communicated, like, the ones that were on the same level, like kind of had, had the same rules, they still all communicate. So I had to kind of, you kind of have a window of people you can, you can get married to or date. And if you go outside of that, it's considered of the world, worldly, and it would be a, you would so be shown. If you do that. Right. Yeah. You, you okay. yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, we dated for over three years, and uh, we got married. Um, so what what was the dating process like? Um, I dated in Jasper, New York. Uh, we moved up there when I was 14, I believe. So my dating process was in Jasper, New York. <clears throat> in, a, in that uh, community, we... Uh, um, we could date after singing, which was usually about eight o'clock when they they would sing for an hour. Everybody from 17 until they got married would gather in one place and they would sing German songs until um, eight o'clock. And then you would pick up your date and you would go home to their home. But you had to have a light on and you had to sit in chairs. You couldn't lay down. You couldn't sit on a sofa. There had, you had to have chairs, either straight backs, rocking chairs. Um, and you couldn't turn the light, the oil lamp down too far. That way, if the parents decided to peep out of their bedroom uh, door. Um, what was going on? Yes. Yes. Okay. So you dated until 12 o'clock. And at 12 o'clock, you, you had to leave until the next Sunday. Okay, so so you dated for you said three years, right? Yes. Okay, you got married. When did you first start noticing the cracks? I've I've always been a loner. Like mm -hmm. I, I feel like I've never really fit in. Uh, stuff didn't make sense to me, but I I couldn't figure it out. Um. So even as a young younger child, I always had the thought of running away. But then it was between hell. Um, you had, I mean, it was pick one of the two evils. Uh, either I had to pick hell or grow up Amish. But in reality, when after I got married, um, we I started built my first house, and I used an impact drill on the subfloor to put the screws down. And the neighbor was the bishop and he heard the impact drill and I got shunned for it. You got shunned for you? I got shunned for the drill. When I was still, before I got married, I got shunned for drinking Mountain Dew on a Sunday. We could drink it any day of the week, not, but not on a Sunday. How long, how long were you shunned for? I think it was like a six week thing for that. 
<laughs> six weeks you got shunned for that? It, Holy shit. Is anything to, for power, it's a power trail or a power trip. I guess I was never, I was the child that I, I'm going to, I'm going to see how far I can go. You're going to push the line. Yeah, and we, we weren't allowed to use tobacco in that community. And so I'm going to dip. Um, and I still, I still do. I still, I've, I've never been able to quit. Um, it was because we couldn't do it and that's why I'm going to do it. And now it's, a, it's been a habit ever since. <clears throat> I don't know. It, that, that's just, so did he come over and talk to you? So he heard you using the impact gun. Did he actually come over and... Oh no, 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 he would he would send that usually the bishop or if anybody sees anybody doing anything, they would get the deacon. They they have a bishop is like the I want to say the king of the Turk Mountain. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then, sounds adequate. <laughs> and then I have two ministers and then the deacon is like the bottom. So they would go tell the deacon, and then the deacon would pick one of the ministers, and they would drive to your home at night, um, seven, eight o'clock, whatever, and pull in your house, and you're like, "Oh my God, what? How the hell? You know, what do they want?" Yeah. And they come in, and they'd be like, "Oh well, you know, it's been a nice day," and talk about weather, and talk about this, and they'd be like, "Well, we done heard that uh, you might have used a drill in your um, doing your floor." Or, or you drink Mountain Dew or whatever it may be. And a lot of times they would come to me and accuse me of something that somebody said something. And I'd be like, no, I, don't, I don't have no idea, which that's the one thing I can say. I've never lied to them. Uh, I never give them any information that wasn't asked, but I've never lied to them if they asked me. And I'd be like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And then I'd get upset. I'd be like, you know, maybe you should back track and somebody that's making up these lies maybe they should be punished in the church for making up lies making trying to make somebody else look bad they said oh well now you should just be happy that it ain't true just it don't matter what somebody says about you just be happy it ain't true so there's no winning it, it sounds very much like are, are you familiar with world war ii at all very little. Okay. So one of the things in, that I've learned in, you know, high school and, and watching documentaries on World War II is Germany, when Germany came into power, you know, Hitler and everybody that the Nazis got into power, they kind of put this system in place where, you know, they really wanted neighbors to rat each other out. And they, you know, that's what they wanted you to do because if you did it, you know, you got certain standings, more power, different things were given to you if you did that i mean fuck that's what that's what it sounds like you're describing where they're looking for neighbors to rat each other out that's exactly what it is yeah you get brownie points by uh, telling on somebody else so then you're 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 a higher how would i say like you have more power in a church because now you're 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 a line walker you don't you don't stray 
but most of those people were ones that had a bunch of crap on their, you know, done a bunch of crap themselves. So it was a cover up thing for them. So make them look better when really they're just oh, it some also sounds like a diversion. Like I did all this shit, but I'm going to go over there and I'm going to tell an Emmanuel and say, he's doing this, this and this so that they won't see what I'm doing and they'll put all the blame on him for whatever. That's what it sounds like. That that is, and that's what hurt me probably the most of anything, any of the Amish is. We ha I had two really good friends. We were we were so close, um, basically from seventeen until until I left the Amish. Um, there's nothing we wouldn't do together. We'd hang out like if we go on Saturday uh, Sunday nights, and that's what the three of us would go out back. We did we smoke. Um, and we, we, if anybody could get their hands on some beer, we'd get some beer. Um, but we knew like the three of us, if one of them gets caught, they will never, they will never say another, another name. They will take the, um, so it's, that's what hurt me probably the most of all, as far as any of them excommunicating me was when you thought you had a real friend like that. And it's the brainwashing. I, I can't blame them for it. It's the doctoring that if they don't shun me, the church will shun them for not shunning me. So, hey. so if anyone has communication with me, the church will shun them because they can't, they can't communicate with me besides just talking to me every once in a while. But now they think I have a new belief, so I'm scary. I'm really scary to them because I don't, I don't think I'm going to hell. Therefore, I could confuse some of the other Amish. So they try not to talk to me at all, which suits me just fine. So they're totally still brainwashed and under the guise of it all. Absolutely. Wow. That's pretty crazy. So getting into your marriage, so you're newlywed now you're starting your life how does that how does that play off in the Amish society when you're a newlywed do you guys have like a honeymoon or what happens exactly? no. no no um <laughs> that's kind of funny because uh you supposedly never you supposedly never seen each other you know done anything touched anything besides maybe kissing um, you get married and then all of a sudden you're expected to go to bed naked with each other. So it's like, okay, you know, don't have sex, don't have sex. And when you get married, it's like, okay, it's something you better get laid now. You know, you better be popping them babies. You know, there's, it, it's such a, it's like, they just push you over the cliff, you know, don't do it. You ain't ready yet. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, you better get it done. Um, and I, we, it was about two years after we was married before we had, we had twins. It was, I didn't want any kids, uh, until we was financially, you know, stable. Mm -hmm. That's not the Amish way. She wanted kids and that, that's the right way. That's the Christian way. Um, that's God. God giving you kids. So she went, she done, um, she took pills. She went to the doctor trying to get pregnant. Um, I was like, well, I, I don't, 
I don't want any, but we can't use, you can't use birth control. You can't, no, no condoms. So no protection. Oh, absolutely no protection. Um, so, so, okay. So you had twins. When, so let me ask you this. When did you start seeing issues with her? And the marriage and your kids, when did that start coming into the back of your mind that something is not right here? Well, when it really, when I really started doubting was in probably 2016, 2017. So it'd been about a year and a half, two years before I actually left the Amish. When I started really questioning, because I, I had no idea the sexual abuse and all that stuff as much as that. I mean, every once in a while you'd hear a little bit of somebody, but they don't, even if it happens in their own community, if it don't happen in their church and they go, go confess, they, nobody can tell anybody else. So hardly nobody finds out anything. So I didn't realize half this crap that was going on. But in uh, 2007, uh, 16 or 17, I had a metal shop where I roll for metal and I started making quite a bit of money. Um, I had a metal or a roofing business where I installed metal roofs and I also had a mini barn business. We made uh, built mini barns. So I had three jobs. Plus I had a farm that I, a small farm here and it was really busy and I wanted to build the barn and they told me how I could build it. I couldn't have a gambrel roof. Uh, I had to build an A-frame, um, and I started making money with the shop, and I, it seemed the more, the better I was doing, the more they came after me, like, oh, you can't advertise with a phone number. You can't, um, you can't, I can't have my phone number on my business card. I have to have a landline. I've changed my phone. <clears throat> um it was just on and on. It was just nagging at stuff. Um, and I started testing some of the things after I got, I was like, something, something just, it's, it's just not right. Something is not right. And I started doing a little testing and I failed every one of them. Um, and it's all of who you are and who you know. So it's a good old boys club, basically. That's exactly what it is. And with my wife, um, really, when I started questioning the Bible and the Amish teaching, the doctoring and stuff, and I still don't know what happened if she went behind my back. I know she did with my parents. And it's like, oh, we think he's starting to he's starting to fall off the Amish tree. Um, we're gonna have to do something <clears throat> because all of a sudden she was. It seemed like she was not on my side anymore. You know, I was wrong. The Amish were right. And, um, you know, as she stated in, in court papers, she said, if he would have only listened to the Amish, everything would have been okay. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So you, you can't have your own, your own opinion. Oh, no. No, you're a computer chip. When you're Amish, you're a computer chip. Whatever they program, that's all you're supposed to play. If they okay. program you with being a bishop, you get a little more lead by you. Um, that's just God. If you become the bishop or a preacher, 
that means God has more faith in you, and then you're you're higher up on God's ladder. He trusts you farther. So, so if you're just the average Joe who's a farmer, so basically that's that's saying that God does not trust you within yeah, the Amish. You're, the you're just you're just the lower class. <laughs> yeah, you're just you're just God's leftovers, basically. Yeah. He don't need to. You know, just got lackey. The field space. Um, yeah. Wow. Well, Emmy, I think that is a good place to leave off for the end of this episode. We've got about two minutes left. And then, uh, yeah, I think that's going to wrap it up for this very first episode. Emmy, next weekend, does that work for you for episode number two in this series? I'm not sure um, if everything works out right. I'm supposed to have my children next, um, so I, uh, next weekend. So I'm not sure if it will or not, but the following weekend probably would. Okay, perfect. Well, let's let's figure that on the following weekend, getting into that, and then we're really going to get down deep and dirty into all the things that you experienced with your custody battle, all the things that you told told me about on the phone when we were talking we're really going to start laying into that stuff heavy i just wanted to take this episode and kind of set expectations for the way it is in the amish society and the way amish society functions to kind of give guys an idea of what's going on before we get into that heavy stuff mm-hmm. so not something you want to join i promise you <laughs> well you know what i i would I would be shunned within the first probably hour of joining the Amish Society. You know, just my tattoos alone, I guess, I'm guessing would probably get me kicked out of the Amish real quick. I do have a tattoo, so I will, I'll never be welcome back in, and that's I said, I'll make sure I'll do that. Hey, perfect. Perfect. Alright, I mean, I'm going to let you go for tonight. I appreciate you coming on for the first episode of this Welfare Fair. It's going to be a long series telling your story. I appreciate you having me. All right, man. We will talk to you again here week after next. Have a very Merry Christmas, all right? You too. All right. We'll talk to you soon. All right, guys. So this is the first episode in this series. Like I said at the start, we're figuring it's going to be a pretty long series of episodes, probably anywhere from seven to ten episodes. Um, I just kind of wanted to set up what the Amish society was, how it functions, things like that. So we have an idea of what it is going into this next episode where we get into the deeper, darker stuff, you know, that I talked about in the promos, the child molestation, the corruption, the extortion, the bestiality of all things. That's the very first time I've ever encountered that in the Father's Truth or Father's Lives Matter is situations of bestiality. Fucking crazy. So. With that being said, guys, I'm going to wrap it up and get on out of here for the rest of my Saturday night. You guys stay safe. Have a great night. And uh, I will be back next weekend. All right, guys. Thank you for joining us and listening to The Father's Truth. If you would like to be a guest or know someone with a story that needs to be heard, email Alan Donovan now at thefatherstruth at sohomail.com. <laughs>